0: This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks like coffee and elixirs that benefit your immunity, energy, and longevity. To learn more, visit foursigmatic.com slash no meat and use discount code no meat at checkout for 15% off your order. That's foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash no meat and use code no meat to save 15%. Hi,
1: this is... This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from
0: Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Radio.
1: Matt, so we, we make it no secret that we try not to read the reviews on iTunes because those negative reviews just get under our skin, right? That's right. Well, you know, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I was was looking through the reviews to you know do some stuff, and uh, and one that just kept popping out was that the sound quality was not up to snuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so uh, guess what I did over the weekend? I bought a new mic. I did (laughs) not buy a new mic. Went to engineering school. I did not go to engineering school either. Both of those probably would have been better for (laughs) (laughs) for for the better produce better results, but instead I built. Uh, Acoustic panels to help with some echo in my new office because I just I've always known that there's too much echo in here And um, that wasn't specifically one of the complaints, but I think I think Mm. it's gonna help.
0: Okay, good way to go I know you like building things. That was one of your uh, one of your favorite things of the year. I I know Doug's favorite things one of which was building things.
1: That's right. Got some got some foam built You know went to Home Depot got a bunch of uh, uh, Wood to build frames and they look great. They look awesome.
0: You go to Guitar Center to get the foam
1: I I used good old Amazon dot com.
0: Oh, okay, good.
1: But it is it is legit acoustic foam, not just like mattress not stuff, just a rug on the wall or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Good. Well, actually, it does sound good. I didn't notice that, but uh, now that you say it, I don't hear any of that echoedness that I did used to hear. Hey, so there you go. Maybe we'll get some less reviews. I <laughs> I saw a few of those, and I thought that those were uh, about like the Skype episodes or hmm. the old ones, because the old ones are awful. I mean, they're just. But maybe every podcast was awful back in. 2000 whatever
1: 12 they they were really bad yeah
0: so maybe some people just listening to that but
1: I, re- I remember one episode in particular where we were interviewing someone who was sitting in a coffee house and we kept having to stop because uh <laughs> the espresso machine would, <laughs> would start <laughs> do you remember that <laughs>
0: I figured, was that? Yeah, I think I do remember that one. I'm not going to call out his name, but I think I know. Yeah, him. yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not either. But it actually is on a subject similar to what we're going to talk about today. That's
0: right. So you can go on a little scavenger hunt and see if mm-hmm. you can turn up that episode. If you can, maybe you will win a prize. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, good. I'm doing well. I've uh, been super busy with just parenting, but, uh, you know, it's good. It's fun. That's what I signed up for. <laughs> I'm actually really enjoying it. So it's been, been good. Love summer. Summer is just the best. And, you know, living the dream hey yes that's good that's right so uh by the way before we get started if you if you want to uh you know counterbalance some of those one star reviews we're talking about <laughs> go on their itunes and uh give us some
1: nice five stars or four stars i uh, don't do four use fives because yeah, that's definitely. Way better and, and uh, uh yeah and and give a big shout out to the acoustic panels sure.
0: <laughs> yes, sound is so great because of doug's acoustic. <laughs> Anyway, okay, but anyway, thank you for those who do leave nice reviews and support the show. We really appreciate it, and we absolutely need it. Okay, so our topic today, Doug, is one we've surely discussed doing in the past, and always said no, we're not going to do that because uh, it's just too niche of a topic, and it's not going to apply to enough people. But for a couple reasons, I think it's time. One, we're running out of topics. We just, we just—it's hard to <laughs> have topics. Let's, let's be honest. We have three hundred episodes or something now. Um, so if, if there's a topic we know about, we're going to talk about it. But I also think I well reason number two. <laughs> ultra running is growing a lot. Right? Yeah. Uh huh. As you mentioned in your blog post this week on No Meat Athlete, which is called, by the way, uh, five essential strategies to help you survive your first hundred mile ultra marathon. Right. Not just ultra running, but hundred mile ultra marathon. That's right. Um, you said that ultra running is growing for the first time in a long time, maybe ever. Marathon finishes are down. Uh, in what the U.S. I think. Right. So that's, that says something. Either people are not liking running or they're, they're you know, looking for something bigger than a marathon. So, um, you know, it's, it's not as niche as it used to be. And finally, I've just come across people on the cruise, uh, our buddy Steven out in Netherlands, who I know want an episode about 100 miles. They say that they like the ultra running episodes. It's, it's kind of where they are in the journey right now, and they want to get to that next level. So, you know, this is for those three people. <laughs>
1: yeah, and me, because I love talking about this stuff.
0: Yeah, and I like I like hearing about you talk about. I mean, you you were, uh, you know, it, we aren't experts in a whole lot of things. We've got a couple things that maybe we could you could argue that we're experts in. Uh, but this is one that I would say falls under your your area of expertise, given that you have done now, is it 500 milers?
1: 500 four? milers, that's right. Okay. Yep. Including
0: the 24-hour where that's you right. ran 100.
1: Four miles. sanctioned 100-mile events and then uh, ran a little over 100 miles in a 24-hour event. Mm-hmm.
0: To win the championship.
1: To win it all.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have an ultra marathon win under your belt. You've got five hundred milers and difficult hundred milers. And uh it's one of, it's just sort of your thing. It's like it's the thing that you, you know, kind of commit tons of time to and know yeah. a lot about coach. So, you know, it's it's one that I think is a good one. Um so looking forward to it. Uh I guess where to begin, Doug? How do we I mean we can we can First of all, check out the post. Go to nomadathlete.com slash blog, and you'll be at the homepage where you will see Doug's new post. Uh, Otherwise, just Google Nomad 100-mile ultramarathon strategies, and I'm sure you'll find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the audio version uh, will be somewhat different. So let's talk, Doug, about those strategies. And I guess the very first place to begin is because, you know, there aren't that many people who are going to be running a 100-miler, but I think there probably are a lot of people who, you know, imagine themselves wanting to do it, maybe fantasize about it, maybe are like... A lot of people who I know, including myself, who who will do their 50k and then say, on you know, in route to that, say that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to be doing more than that. And then once they finish that, they just start to think about maybe 50 milers, but never 100. And then they get their 50 done, and then you know, the 100 somehow seems like this this irresistible thing. Uh, so,
1: uh, well, I think that there are a lot of people like that, but I will counter that a little bit um, because I you know I think with Born to Run and with the kind of increase in ultra running media mm-hmm. uh, and videos and stuff like that that tend to focus on the 100-mile distance. Yeah. Um you know, a lot of people learn about ultramarathons by learning about a 100-mile race. And if there's any part of them that is like excited about that, then like that's what they want to do. You know, when they right. go when they run their first 50k, it's not just to like run a little bit more than a marathon. It's to uh and check the ultramarathon box, but it's to like one day run a hundred-miler. And I can't tell you how many people have contacted me to coach um, who are like, you know, I'm about to run my first 50 K and in three months I would really love to run hundred miler. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, and like, there's just a lot of excitement around that distance because it seems so crazy.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think those people who I am talking about and cause I did this exact same thing. I knew about the hundred miler before I ever did an ultra marathon and just thought it was amazing and, and just thought it was the you know, I just couldn't imagine that people were doing that. And that for me just sort of like lit a fire that said somewhere said one day I have to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think along the way, there's a lot of doubt and a lot of fear of, you know, telling people you're planning to do that just because it seems so ridiculous. And I think I think there's a lot of just being afraid to admit that that's what you really want to do. So I think the story of I'm just going to do a 50k and then that turns into 50 miles and then that turns into I think that's pretty common. Maybe though, based on what you just said, maybe it's uh it's not always true. Maybe it's sort of this little thing in the back of the mind that says, that's what I really want.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think
0: there's a little bit of both, you know? Yeah. A little bit of both. Yeah. So I knew someone when I was getting into ultra running who did a 50K, and then it was his first one. And I swear it was like a few weeks later, maybe a couple months later, just did his 100. Like the person you just mentioned, someone emailing (laughs) you, hypothetical Mm -hmm. person. Um, Back then, I thought that was crazy. Like, I, I could not imagine doing that i guess i was a little bit more methodical than that and i figured you had to do them in order uh to be smart about it and that in order to run have a chance of completing 100 you kind of had to have completed a, a solid 50 mile race um you know i guess you could just have, do your training run but i it felt like you needed to get the 50 mile accomplished before you should really start thinking about 100 do you think that is true or is that i mean can people just jump from marathon to 100 or i mean it's, obviously that's kind of crazy right because you got to get the Trail running experience down and understand yeah. what it is like, but I mean, can do you need to do them in
1: order? I mean, can you? Sure, you know, just like some people go couch to marathon, you know, in in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know, I certainly it's certainly possible people will do it for sure. Uh, is it recommended? Uh, you know, to me, absolutely not. I mean, I just can't imagine any scenario where you're gonna have a good first hundred mile experience. Um, and you know, there's quotes around that. Good because every hundred mile experience is is hard, especially your right. first one. Right. Um, you know, but have a good one without, you know, at least a year of of running ultra distance stuff. Um, yeah. And 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 not you know, honestly, I don't know why you would want to because I just think it would you would suffer so much. You would, um, you know, both physically and like emotionally and mentally and. Uh, you just don't know, you don't know how to handle that distance. You don't know how, what your body's going to do. And the more practice you have and like the longer and the slower you take with it, I just think it's going to be so much better of an experience and, um, and it'll be worth the wait. So, you know, I, I mentioned in the post that I had run six ultra marathons and, you know, at least five or six different ultra marathon distance solo runs before my first hundred miler. And, um, and that, you know, that was over about a two-year period from my first 50K to my first 100 miler. Um, and that was after a couple marathons, you know, so that I had been running distance for a number of years. And, um, and even then, like, that might have been too fast, you know, it worked out fine. And I loved it. But, um, you know, I think that at least at least a year of running ultra distance races before you even consider training for a 100 miler is kind of what I would t- what I would advise people
0: yeah, I think that makes sense, um, and I think large. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the time because I mean the time, like a year of running, rather than saying you have to get the 50 mile distance done before you can think about 100. I think really what the 50 miler serves to do is just adds time that you are doing ultra running. Sure. Because I think that's really what it's about, right? Like getting that 100 miler done. Uh, I, I, it's just from, yeah, like like it just it just depends. To, in order to be a good experience, I think it requires you having put in a whole lot of long runs right mm-hmm. over the course of a year like you said or perhaps more than that and i think the longer you've had doing that kind of stuff the the easier it's going to feel so while it's not necessary to you know check off all those boxes and get that 15 miler done uh doing so just gives you something to keep you doing ultras for a little while and and make you not too impatient to do that yeah so yeah totally yeah and i think it's i think it's a good point about like yes you might be able to finish that 100 miler maybe without having done a lot of ultra running before, but like, would it, would it really feel like a finish or would it feel like I did after my first marathon where it was like, yes, I technically finished, but I had to walk the last eight miles of it and Mm -hmm. it didn't really feel like satisfying. I didn't feel like I'd actually succeeded at what I set out to do. So I think you probably want, uh, you don't want that feeling at the end of your 100 Absolutely.
1: And you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of 100 milers have finish rates in the 60 to 70%, you know, I'd say the majority of them, maybe, I don't, I don't know the stats for sure, but Everyone that I've run has been, you know, been somewhere between 50 and 70% of finish rate. So already the odds aren't like great, you know, if yeah. four out of 10 people are not finishing it, then, um, you know, then the odds aren't great, you know, <laughs> they're not stacked against you, but you know, but it's going to be tough. Like that just shows you, it goes to show you how it's going to be tough. And so then if you don't have the experience, if you're, if you're not super comfortable thinking about nutrition or running on trails or, or all that stuff, then, you know, then it's just, it's going to make it that much harder.
0: Yeah. Okay. So first part is, well, this isn't even one of the strategies. That's a bonus strategy for you. Um, you know, take your time getting there. Yes. So then what does that time look like as far as, you know, mileage compared to marathon distance or 50 K distance? Uh, what, what are you talking about? Cause I, I think there's a misconception out there. People think that training for a hundred miler means, your life is dedicated to, to running that hundred miler. And it certainly must mean 15 mile runs every day of the week. And then weekends, you know, 40, 50, 60 mile runs all the time. So let's, let's, let's be the best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just as you and I have said many times that training for a marathon is not nearly as hard as you might think that you can train for a marathon with a lot of, you know, three to five mile weekly runs, weekday runs, and and then your strategic long run on the weekend. Um, you know, running, training for a 100 milers is not that much different. So if you're if, if maybe a 50k training plan would have runs in the 4 to 6 mile distance, it's going to be a little bit longer. You know, you're going to have to increase your weekly mileage typically to make six your standard run. So 6 to 8 miles is kind of your go-to everyday run. Um so that is longer for sure. You know, that's an extra 20 25 minutes or or whatever compared to um you know what you might have been doing for a 50k. But it's not outrageous you know and your your long runs are going to look pretty darn similar to training for a 50k or 50 mile race uh -hmm. so if you've gotten through that then um you know for the most part they're going to look just like that with a few key long runs that we'll talk about later um but yeah i mean it's 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 amazing how much uh how similar it is to you know to doing any other ultra ultra training
0: yeah and uh, the same argument that we use with the marathon thing applies only it's a little bit. more intense which is that like you're probably not going to be doing any other major fitness endeavors during this time like yes of course this is your focus as far as fitness goes uh maybe you'll be doing some small amount of strength work just for the sake of the 100 miler if nothing else um but like you know to run six to eight miles and like that's exactly what i did mine was seven mile runs i think i did three or four of them during the week and then i have the long run or two on the weekend um you know, like, if it was taking me, like, an hour, an hour and f- 10 minutes when I would do that. Mm-hmm. And I'd leave from my house and come back and, and end up at my door. So, like, that, that's what it would take to go to the gym. And you'd probably want to go to the gym three or four times a week. So, like, it wasn't really a whole lot more commitment than, like, a general fitness program. is. Now, I'm not so great about staying on a general fitness program all the time. <laughs> and a lot of people aren't. So, it does mean you're actually committed in doing that. And, and that might represent an increase in time if you don't currently do that kind of fitness but like it's it's really not an unreasonable amount those weekends like you said that's like the long run you're, you're dedicating half a day or sometimes it's almost your full day it feels like to this but uh there just aren't that many of those like in a, in a half of a year 100 mile training cycle i don't know how, how many count how many would you say like take up your entire saturday uh i mean it's i don't know five I feel like that's like the focus of the whole day for me um i don't know would you would you agree with that
1: yeah of of kind of the key long runs yeah um yeah right so like in a in a 50k training you're gonna have you know a number of runs that might be in the like 15 to 20 mile range which you know which are pretty long um and then to train for a 100 miler there's gonna be some longer runs and probably a couple you know training races something like a 50k or a 50 miler you know i ran a 100k in preparation for my first two um 100 milers, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you might have these like really big events. But, you know, we're talking about three to four, you know, of these kind of key long runs, as I like to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and those are the ones that take up uh, your full day, maybe 12 hours if it's a really long run. Um, or, or they're back to backs where you're running, you know, 20 miles on Saturday and 20 miles on Sunday. And so that kind of really does take up your whole weekend. Um, but we're not talking about doing that every single weekend. You know, most weekends are going to have just that standard long run that you um, probably came to get to know during marathon or fifty k training. Yeah. And um, and then you know you'll kind of fill in the gaps with those key long runs, uh, which I've talked about before, especially post baby, um, is I would just kind of carve out one weekend a month where I really got in a solid long run. Um, but that's not that's not really unique. That's not like inventive training so much as, um, as just kind of spinning it a little different from what. You know, typical hundred mile training would look like, which would be to focus on uh, kind of building with different races or something like that. Um, That you know starts with a 50k and then maybe a 50 miler and then you do some other back to back and then it's race day. Yeah.
0: So I think uh, it's probably important to point out that like we're not trying to downplay the commitment and the training requirement for a hundred miler. Oh no. Uh, It's it's. I mean, of course it's a commitment and of course it takes work uh, and a whole lot of running, but. I just have this sense, like when you tell people you did a hundred miler, so often the response is they look at you like you must be superhuman, or like you know y- you must have just dedicated a year of your or many years of your life to just running all the time, and that's all you did, uh, yeah. and that you have some special ability to do this. And like it, it really never felt like that for me. Like I, like I said, did did it sequentially, marathon, fifty k, fifty miler, hundred miler, uh, and several of the like several fifty fifty miles before the hundred. um... But it never it never felt like it became this thing where suddenly it was like my full time job was to be running all the time. It it still always felt like marathon training. It was just a little bit longer. Like it, it really just didn't ever feel like it was just a huge jump in how it felt. It was just it was yeah. just longer.
1: Right. It was just you know, it just takes a little bit more time. But you know, if you've gone through any sort of big training cycle before, whether that's for a marathon or a you know, a fifty K or a fifty miler then you, you know, I think you have a good understanding of like when you're not training for something, it feels like you don't have a ton of free time. When you are really dedicated training for something, you just find that time. You find it early in the morning, you find it in the evening or during your lunch break, you find that time. And if you just kind of make that part of your routine, then it's just like, it's just there. And sure you, you're, you're giving up some other things, like maybe some sleeping in or or whatever, but, um, you know, it's not like you're just taking your whole day to, to go run. Um, very often anyway
0: <laughs> so before we talk about specifics of the long run uh we actually kind of bridging towards that uh people like like someone hearing this who's let's say they've done their 50k or their, i guess 50 miles would probably be smarter um what i mean can they just jump into a train can they go find a training plan and if so like where where do we find ultra marathon training plans um but like would you recommend a certain solid base or is kind of having trained and done the 50 miler and then taken two weeks or three weeks or a month off uh, of hard training. Is that like enough to kind of just start your hundred mile training?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean the beauty of a hundred, you know, most hundred mile training plans are, they're going to be four months, four to five months, you know, maybe longer if depending on where you're starting. Um, and you know that, I mean, that's a long time to get in shape and you can start pretty gradually and you can, uh, take your time with it. That's assuming you have some sort of running background yeah, uh, and you've trained for some stuff in the past. Um, you know, so I wouldn't necessarily like just kind of jump into it after you haven't been running for two years, you know, and, and kind of expect to run 100 miler in a couple months. Um, but, you know, but if you've been, if you've maintained a, a you know, a basic level of fitness, then um, most training plans are going to be long enough that you can kind of keep ramping that up. Um, but you know, if you have, if you are coming off a 50 miler or a marathon or something like that, and you have given yourself a little bit of a break, then, um, you know, finding a, finding a plan that eases in and kind of allows you to recover and bounce back and get into some more intense training again, um, is all you need. And as far as where to find them, you know, unfortunately, no many athlete doesn't have yet a hundred mile training plan. Um, we do have the ultra marathon roadmap, which includes 50 K and 50 mile plans, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know there's a couple of great books. There's uh Brian Powell's book Rel- Relentless Forward Progress which is what I used for my first um training plan um yeah, me too. There's uh I'm blanking on a bunch of names, a bunch of name book names. <laughs> 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 they're on the shelf. I'm looking at them but uh, they're too far away for me to read them, <laughs> read the name of them. Um but, you know, there's there's, a, there's several books. Now, if you, if you went into Barnes & Noble you would, and went into the kind of running section, you'd find a couple of really good ultramarathon books. And then, of course, uh, you know, there's programs that I have with, with Rock Creek Runner and, um, you know, and there's other online services. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the point is to find – you don't want to use a 50K or 50-mile plan to train for 100 mile. They are different, and um, they will, you know, kind of take a little bit more time to build you up and, and build you up slowly in a way that's sustainable for you know that type of distance
0: so speaking of that i know because i i was tempted to do this and i talked to people who i know have the same temptation uh and that is to train for 50 miler and then use that 50 miler as your long run for the 100 uh as your longest training run for the 100 so you do you train your 50 miles and then rather than have to go through all that again you extend the plan by six or eight weeks and Mm -hmm. and just you know fill it in with some shorter runs maybe 50k and then go do your hundreds you don't have to do a whole other cycle uh based on what we said at the beginning of this that it's really not about having done the 50 mile race as much as it is the time it takes that you spend running like that's kind of the point Uh, i'm guessing you'll say that's that's a bad idea
1: yeah it's definitely not recommended i mean honestly like if you were going to use a single training plan i would say assuming you have some sort of level of strong fitness that use the hundred mile plan to train for your 50 miler <laughs> right, right. and, uh, you know, and have that fit into your hundred your to your hundred mile training and then build off that because, you know, because there will be an increase in distance throughout the week, there will be maybe a couple more strategic, uh, long runs, um, and, uh, our key long runs and, and they're, um, you know, it'll, it'll probably be a little bit slower and take a little bit more time and, kind of focus more on the on the challenges of a 100 mile race, you know, like, like, uh, terrain and that kind of thing. Uh, Make sure you're getting in that. So that's why that's why I would, uh, I would not do that. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, Doug. So I've got one more question about long runs before we move on. Uh, Before we do that, I wanted to take a minute to thank our new sponsor. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks like coffee and elixirs that benefit our immunity, energy, and longevity, and help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Four Sigmatic was founded by a group of, listen to this, Doug, Finnish fun guys. <laughs> see, oh, see what they gosh. did there? <laughs> Aiming to popularize functional mushrooms and adaptogens by incorporating them in mainstream products like coffee, tea, and cacao. For example, there's one of our favorites, the mushroom coffee with lion's mane, made with a blend of 100% organic Arabica coffee and lion's mane mushrooms, not real lion's mane, Doug.
1: So it is vegan.
0: It is vegan. (laughs) Why lion's mane? Because it promotes productivity, focus, and creativity and balances out the stimulation from the coffee.
1: And Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but this is not the first time we have mentioned this mushroom coffee on the podcast. Because I used to get it when we we were placing orders with Thrive Market.
0: That's right. I do remember that you were talking up the mushroom Coffee back then, uh, but yeah, I did not that's know great. it was the same brand. Good, yeah. good. So we've been using the uh, their superfood protein, which uh, is protein and mushrooms. And the reason I'm using it mainly is because my son Holden, as I mentioned just last episode, um, super into sports, and I'm trying to get him a little bit of extra nutrition. And I can't usually put protein powders into his smoothie because he doesn't like the sweetness that a lot of them have with the stevia taste. Hmm. This has none of that. Uh, only a tiny, tiny bit of sweetener that makes it just, you know, go down perfectly and he doesn't notice it at all or doesn't mind it at all. Um, That's great. Yeah, it's, it's worked really great so far.
1: Cool. To learn more, visit foursigmatic.com slash no meat and use code no meat at checkout to save 15% off your first order. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash no meat and use code no meat at checkout to save 15% off.
0: All right, good. Uh, let's Let's talk quickly about the long run because you you mentioned that i know there's a huge element here we haven't talked about which is kind of the other side of this which is eating uh but Mm -hmm. just since we're talking about long runs let's 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 knock that off uh what you know what's there to know about long runs is it same as marathon long runs or is there something drastically different about training for an ultra marathon long run First thing, well, is it's slower, right? We, that's yeah, one of the yeah, nice things. Yeah, exactly. Which is, it is I, I think that's important because I think people will hear running for twelve hours and it's like, well, I'm out. Like, can't not going to do that. Peace. Yeah. But it's not. You, I mean, you you can hike for a significant portion of that if you need to. You can go really, really slow. I and mean, you have to go really, really slow. Uh, it doesn't feel like you ran a marathon. You you ran you know three four hour marathons. It it it's much different than
1: that. Yeah, I mean, totally. I am trying to look up real quickly what the pace of. 100 miles in 24 hours is um I think which
0: it, is it is it ah, i forget i'm not even gonna guess <laughs> i thought it was 13 a, minutes
1: uh 100 miles in 24 hours is 24 minutes 24 minute miles no. does that make sense can't no, no that can't be that can't be right <laughs> <laughs> that's not right <laughs> okay ignore that <laughs> okay. that's not that's that's definitely not right all right um anyway uh Oh, 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 that was twenty-four minute pace. Uh, there we go. All right. We're gonna get this right here. <laughs> Hold the phone, everybody. Oh yeah, 14 minutes. Fourteen minutes and twenty-four seconds. Um okay. yeah, I mean, so we're not talking about a blistering fast pace, right? Right. Um, and that is a twenty four hour hundred miler, which, you know, is kind of a a like really good benchmark. If you've run a sub twenty four hour hundred miler, then you know, that kind of puts you in a different category. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, so I mean, so that that's kind of considered a relatively fast hundred miler. Um, and you know, so we're not talking about crazy fast long runs like you're, like you, like you mentioned. Don't really know where I'm talking, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here. But uh, <laughs> so, what do the long runs actually look like? Um, you know, one kind of cool difference that I really like about about hundred mile training, and you know, in ultramarathon training in general, compared to compared to marathon training, but it's particularly with the hundred mile distance is I do a lot of long runs for time and not distance. Um, so instead of trying to cover 25 miles or or 20 miles or something, I'll go out and, and want to run a six hour long run or a five hour long run. Um, and it doesn't really matter if I get 18 minutes, 18 miles or 30 miles in that, in that five hours. Uh, the point is to just have that time on my feet, that time moving forward, whether that's really slow at a hike going up a hill, or uh, a little bit faster on some flat terrain and, or on the downhills. Um, but the point is to get the time on the feet and um, to just get familiar with moving forward for that for that length of time. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of one key difference um, that I like. But you know, the other thing that a lot of hundred mile training plans will have are like back to back long runs, like we talked about. Um, and those are definitely unique to these kind of longer distance ultras. Um, training races, you know, like I mentioned, you can use the 50K, 50 mile, 100K um, races as training races to practice for the 100 mile distance. Um, you know, I really recommend if you have access to the course to train on the course. Um, you know, one of the biggest obstacles of a 100 mile distance is not the distance, but the actual course. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you can get on that train and, and train on that course, then that's only going to help you out. And, uh, you know, and then there's also the aspect of having to do a self-supported long run. That's really quite long. Like I remember the first time I ran 50 K by myself in rock Creek park, you know, which is, I mean, you know, a sizable park for the middle of a city in DC. Um, but you know, it's still a DC park, <laughs> you know? And so you have to really, you have to really want to find, 31 miles of trail to uh to make that work um and just i remember how kind of crazy that felt going into that run that i could cover that distance (laughs) inside the park and and cover that distance by myself without a medal without support crew without any of that stuff you know that i would just kind of be passing somebody on the trail who was out for a little 30 minute hike with their dogs You know, and there I was like 25 miles in and just that felt so crazy to me, Um, you know, but but you get used to that stuff and you get used to kind of mapping and plotting it out and um, and being able to, you know, plan for the right nutrition and and water and stuff on the long run.
0: Yeah. So that's when I did my long stuff. Most of them were on like a, I don't know, seven mile kind of route. And I just would go back and forth and then go Mm -hmm. to my car at the every every time i was there so three and a half miles out three and a half back so just get to the car every seven miles and somehow for me that like broke it up and made it manageable whereas if i had to set out for a 31 mile loop by myself uh it, it just i don't know it just seems like too much i just can't imagine myself doing that i mean a yeah. race sure but self-supported kind of thing it just, i don't know but somehow breaking that into four different seven mile sections and then three miles at the end uh Made it feel like something that I could do. I mean, it's like it's not easy. It just feels like I'm gonna be doing this for the day. All I am to have to do is back, run back and forth on this on the seven mile stretch, and that's that'll do it. And that was how I kind of managed to do that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, using your car as an aid station is is huge. Right. Yeah.
0: So let's before we jump to food, which I want to do next, just because we're on that topic. Um, let's clarify, like for our first hundred mile run, we didn't really talk about what you're actually doing mm. in the training, uh, just during the week training, uh, but for long runs you're not talking about any kind of progressive things or any kind of trying to hit certain paces or anything like that. Right. I mean, it's just get out there for either the distance or the number of hours. And, and as long as you're surviving, you're good.
1: Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, you know, I think that some elite ultra runners and, or if you're just really, if you're trying to hit a certain, you know, sub 24 hour goal or something like that, there might be a little bit of pacing, um, in there that, you know, you're doing some sort of speed work and tempo work. Uh, but for most people, uh, if you're, um, you know, I'm going to actually take that back a little bit and say that for a lot of people, there can be some benefit to that of, li- you know, of, of introducing a little bit of like tempo efforts here and there, just, uh, for nothing else for like injury prevention, just kind of mixing up the type of running that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like what you're focused on during those, those runs and races and, um, long runs, you know, pacing is really not important at all. Right. Um and uh, and that's gonna be with the long run, of course, as well. But the one kind of caveat is um depending on the race that you're doing, you might want to focus on elevation. Um and you know, for example, this past hundred mile that I ran, hundred miler that I ran had about twenty six thousand feet of elevation gain. And um, you know, had I not ever focused on elevation, then um, you know, then that probably would have been a big problem because there were some really long, steep climbs and that's important to, to build the strength to go up and the strength to go down, uh, and, and teach your legs how to withstand that type of beating. Um, so those are the numbers that, that I will focus on during hundred milers, but that's very different in my opinion than, um, you know, focusing on, fo- focusing on pace or, um, or splits or anything like that.
0: Right. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Food. So I think, uh, food from a hundred miler versus the other or in a hundred miler compared to shorter ultra marathons to me is like a a significant difference. Right. Whereas, whereas the running, it's kind of just, you just run longer, right? (laughs) It's the same thing as a 50. You just do more of it. Mm -hmm. Food is different. Like it it just, I don't know with a 50 somehow, I felt like I could kind of just extend marathon and then 50 K eating strategy. And like, if it kind of messed up, then by, you know, there's, I wouldn't know what to eat in the last 10 miles of that if my stomach just wasn't. But that that was fine. It wasn't a problem. I just I wasn't ever too worried about that um, because it was only the final 10 miles and I knew that I'd probably be all right. But 100 miler, it just, suddenly this whole different game as far as planning, uh, experimenting with different strategies, bringing all this stuff. So I think for a lot of people who have not done 100 uh, but are thinking about it, it's probably this huge unknown as far as like how, how do you possibly treat food and nutrition uh, in that distance? How do you carry it? Yeah. Um, all that stuff, right? It, it, there's some saying about ultra running being a, an eating contest with running, <laughs> right? Or something like that. Right, Yeah. So let's let's talk about food. What? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, if you think about it, you know, 100 mile, if, if it takes you, how long did it take you to run your first 100? 26 hours or uh, right?
0: 28
1: something. 28? Yeah. yeah, so in 28 hours, I mean, that's probably five meals that, that you've missed, right? Mm-hmm. Like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then breakfast again or four meals, that would be four meals <laughs> <would> be four. <laughs> and a lot of snacks. Talk about fourth meal. Which <laughs> and, <laughs> unless you're a talk about fourth meal person, uh, then that would be five meals. But you know, that that's probably four meals that you've missed. Hellbender took me 30 some odd hours, 32 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that's six meals probably, um, mm-hmm. that you've missed. And that, that's a lot different than uh, a 50 miler where you're out there for like 10 hours, mm-hmm. nine or 10 hours. Something. Yeah. Um, so yeah so you have to focus on nutrition nutrition has to be a huge element of of your training and then also of race day um and of course there are, and, and you have to you have to go beyond just the like gels and the gummies um and we're talking about for the average person you know i mean if you're out doing a track 100 miler in 14 hours and that's a little different yeah. um but you know for for Most trail ultras, um, you know, and so gummies and gels might play a role in that, you know, to keep your calories up, to keep, um, carbs coming in and there's fast burning sugars. Like I, you know, I certainly take them myself. I take them from, you know, the first hour to the last hour, as long as I can stomach it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but they're not, they're just part of the equation. The other part of is, is real food and, and stuff at the aid stations, things like broth or soups or sandwiches, um, potatoes, you know, like real food that you might find at a 50 K or 50 mile aid station, but just more of it. Um, hundred mile aid stations often have somebody actually like cooking there. So they're like heating up, um, real food. Uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it's not vegan, you know, sometimes it might be bacon or eggs or pancakes or something like that. But, um, you know, they, they're actually trying to serve you legit food. Um, and I tend to, uh, you know, rely heavily because of the plant-based athlete thing. I rely heavily on my crew to kind of prep that food for me. Um, And we've talked about this in like race reports before, but you know, I'm eating soups. I'm eating bowls of noodles. I'm eating wraps and oatmeal, you know, things that are, are, are actual legit meals while I'm out there running.
0: Yeah. So same, same thing I did. Um, my strategy was to kind of start And I I don't know if this was that wise, but I said, I'm going to start with the sugary stuff and do that for as long as I possibly can. I used a lot of dates, uh, used sports drink, I ate fruit, I did all that stuff. And then once I just couldn't do any more of that, I started eating whatever. And I had a lot of things on hand that I thought I might want. Um, you know, like the pita in the hummus or hummus and pita, refried beans on a tortilla, some soups, you know, the crew was, of course, had all that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that was my strategy. I don't know if it worked. It, I mean, it was okay. I didn't, I felt like in miles, maybe 50 to 60, I was definitely not feeling very hungry anymore, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly. Uh, and I felt like, you know, it was a okay strategy, but all that sugar in the beginning kind of made me not want anything for a while. And I think that mm. wasn't good. Uh, is there like a particular way you think people should do this or have a kind of very basic framework to begin the, own, the experimenting that they're going to do during their training? Or is it really just sort of whatever you find works and whatever keeps you eating food, then that's what you should do.
1: I mean, so the, you know, the most important thing is that last one, whatever you find, whatever you can do to keep eating food, whatever looks good to you, then that's what you should be eating. Um, But if you, if you were able to put some strategy around it, and I think everyone should go in with a little bit of strategy um, is to, to do whatever you can to kind of balance that out so that you are able to keep eating the sugars towards the end, towards the second half of the race. Um, you know, while also getting in some of that real food at the beginning, because if you're just burning nothing but sugar for the first 50 miles, then, uh, when you hit that point where you can't have any sugar, you're not going to have anything else to burn. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I'm eating, you know, I'm probably passing the first aid station. It's like six miles into the race or whatever and not grabbing any real food. But after that, you know, I'm, I'm taking in some sort of real food, um, and then trying whatever to do, whatever I can to keep taking in um, some of the, the gels or, or the gummies, um, all the way to the very end. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but the, the truth is like, (laughs) you're probably going to get nauseous and you're probably going to have times when you don't really want to eat. And so doing whatever you can to be able to get through that and eat and, um, you know, take in food and get past the nausea, um, is, is good. So that's where the broths are like really good. You know, oatmeal has been really key for me um you know and if all you can do is take a couple bites like at least that's a couple bites and that will that will help you out so um yeah i mean just focus on on what you can get in and and uh and but but to answer your question you know make sure that you're you're doing your best you can to kind of level it out so that you're taking in sugars and real food throughout the whole thing
0: right and of course every long one you do is an opportunity to try this and, and refine it, right. It's not, you don't have to do wild experimenting, but just you trying be mindful about what you're doing and, and write down whether it works and what doesn't and what you did. And, and then that's how you start to develop the strategy that actually works for you. Yeah. Uh, I you say- might
1: not be able to take hot noodles with you uh, on the run, but you can certainly take wraps and sandwiches and things like that and do those. You eat those in the long run.
0: Yeah. And you might be able to make a note that hot noodles sure would have sounded good at this point, but I didn't have it. Yeah. So then, then you can know to have it at your race because mm-hmm. I think like for me, I think what it comes down to is none of that stuff about like, you know, this many grams of carbohydrates per hour, like that, that for me is much more marathon importance than finish an ultra or finish a hundred miler importance. Um, and so I think it's just kind of about like staying, make sure you're comfortable because there's a lot of factors that are going to make you uncomfortable and wanting to quit. And, you know, we'll talk about the night in coming up in just a second. Um, but like, it, you know, um. You, you want to minimize what doesn't feel good and and that means staying comfortable with the food you're eating eating stuff that tastes good that you want uh while also finding a way to make sure you continue to put food in your body most of the time and not going too long without doing that because that will come back and get you
1: absolutely all
0: right final bit uh the nighttime i think that's that's the one another distinguishing feature of 100 mile running is that mm-hmm. you've got to run through the night uh, unless you're super fast and i think for a lot of people that's a total like you know that's that's crazy. I mean, what? How are you going to run through the whole night? That seems like something you can't do. So, yeah,
1: I mean that's probably the like first question you get is uh, yeah. after a race is like, oh, what did you sleep? Like, <laughs> right? Everyone asks that. Everyone asks that. Um, and and no, for the most part, no. I mean, there are I have multiple times, and I talked to this in the last uh, race report that saw some guy kind of you know sit pull pull up a seat at an aid station and put on his alarm clock and took a little nap. <laughs> never saw him again. So I don't know what happened, <laughs> you know, but people do it. Um, you know, but, but that is, it is running through the night is such a distinguishing uh, part of, of hundred mile distance. And um, there's a couple parts of it. I mean, part of it is just being comfortable running at night. And that's something that's easy to practice. You can just go in right after, you know, sunset, go out right after sunset or before sunrise and, you know, get your, get a five or six mile run in. And that kind of gives you a feel for what it's like to run with a headlamp on a trail. Um, and gives you, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a little spooky. It can be a little spooky if you're not used to it. It can be,
0: and you can find a group to do it with, which is what I did. Cause oh, I would have totally. been afraid to do that in the beginning.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you should, you should absolutely do that. Um, but you know, but it, it feels a little bit different. It's just so quiet at night. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's nice to kind of get used to that, uh, and get more comfortable with that. So you're not having to worry about that or feel weird about that come race day. Um, You know, but then the other part is definitely the exhaustion part and, um, sleep deprivation part. And that, that is much harder to train because most of us aren't going to stay up all night and do a long run in the middle of the night. And I don't know that you, that I really recommend it unless, uh, you have an opportunity that, you know, presents itself to do that, like some sort of night run or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it's just a matter of kind of how you handle, handle that exhaustion. And my tips are, you know, keep moving it's so easy to sit down and when you're tired and just not want to get back up at yeah. three in the morning. Just yeah. so whether, whether you're, whether you're just barely walking forward doing the, you know, the zombie shuffle, that's what I like to call it. Um, <laughs> or, you know, or, or actually running, you know, whatever it is, just keep moving as much as you can. Um, if you're allowed to have a pacer, if you are lucky enough to have a pacer, then the night portion, especially that like midnight to sunrise portion is a really good time to, have a pacer so they can get you through that exhaustion part with riddles. That's right. (laughs) You know, so they can keep you awake and having fun. Um, eating, you know, eating through the night is just really, you know, as you're tired and as you like are doing everything you can to put one foot in front of the other, it's really easy to forget to take in calories, uh, and to eat throughout, you know, and to drink. And so keeping up with your nutrition and your hydration is, is going to help a lot. And then, you know, uh, some people, caffeine is, you know, is a controversial, you know, semi-controversial thing in, in running. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a hundred percent not afraid to use caffeine to help me get through the night. I will have coffee with the crew. I will, uh, take gels that have caffeine in them. I will use Coke or whatever if I need to. Um, if it gets me, if it keeps me up and kind of gets me going, then, then I'm okay with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that night is definitely the highest risk time for quitting. Well, I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine that's the highest risk time because that's when you've run the most, and then it gets dark and depressing, and it's just, you know, that it's that's the low point for a lot of people. Uh, I think the just keep moving advice is huge because I'm the, the moments of most pain that I remember from mine were the five minutes after I started running in the nighttime. Like, mm. it, every time I would stop. It mm-hmm. was just it was just so hard to get moving. It would just hurt. It just you, Your muscles would start to tighten up in, in five or ten minutes of sitting there, and uh, I think just I mean just as much as you can keep moving, so that's huge. And uh, yeah, pacer. I mean that that it's just to me it's so different to be out in the middle of the woods with someone who's there with you. You know, every big hill that you have to hike up, and they're kind of doing it with you uh, rather than having to face that on your own. It just I don't know for a first one, if you can get a pacer, uh, by all means do that.
1: Yeah, I was I was talking to a friend who isn't an, an experienced hundred miler um, just last week, and we were talking about. Uh, how easy it is to waste time at aid stations how to sit and you know by the time you eat and put on shoes and you know whatever and like it just wastes a lot of time and we were what we were talking about and what we kind of came to realize um is that it's not just about that time you're sitting at the aid station or or standing or whatever at the aid station it's also that you know if you are if you have sat for a while or even if you just stood but quit moving there's a good like 10 or you know so minutes it it takes to that five or ten minutes to get moving again to get mm-hmm. comfortable with that that you're also kind of wasting time. Whereas if you were just like grabbing it and going, um, then your body wouldn't have all that time to like kind of begin to freeze up and tighten up and right. you wouldn't lose necessarily lose as much time uh after you started moving again.
0: Yep. Good. Well So the
1: the last thing I would say is, you know, just to kind of wrap this up is that hundred mile the the biggest difference between hundred mile training or running and uh and a 50 K or 50 mile is, is that ability to adapt to whatever the situation is, whether that is rain and mud and wicked terrain or, um, being overly exhausted in the middle of the night or getting really cold, um, or, you know, or an upset stomach, your stomach flips at mile 70 and you, and you're having trouble keeping anything down. Um, you know, just how, how you can adapt to that and not freak out, but problem solve, you know, slow down, walk, eat some food, rest, whatever you got to do. To uh, adapt and kind of bounce back from that, um, that's going to be the key to having a successful hundred mile, hundred mile run. And you can do, and you can practice that throughout your training, as you can with all this stuff.
0: Yeah, that, and that's what so much of the distance is about, and the experience is about. Because uh, we talked, you know, we talked about the importance of running a fifty mile run and doing all the time it takes to run. But like, the experience of really wanting to quit running and still having fifteen miles to go—that happens in, in, often in a fifty miler. Uh, that's really good. Right? That's good practice for what's gonna happen when it's time to run the hundred. Because totally. like you said, you, you have to adapt to having made a nutrition mistake or, you know, having not brought the right shoes or not gotten socks swapped out with your pacers. Um so yeah, like you said, I think that's I think that's a great tip. That's why experience makes such a difference, mm-hmm. uh, which makes that first one hard. But uh <laughs> yeah, it's it's to this day, favorite favorite race that I've ever run was the hundred mile race. So hey, I think that's it's cool. As painful as it was, it was something about it. Just just was a great experience. Felt good.
1: Me too. <laughs> cool. Good. Um, yeah. Well. Good. All You're right. Well,
0: thank you, Doug, for sharing your knowledge for us. Maybe we'll do a follow up one of these days, depending on feedback. But, yeah. Uh, I know there's a lot more to talk about. We, sure. we barely scratched got... the surface of a lot of stuff. But uh,
1: do a hundred episodes on the hundred mile distance. but... <laughs> Ideal. <laughs> do a hundred mile, hundred hundred mile, hundred episode series. From a three episode three hundred to four hundred is that'd, that'd all awesome. hundred mile. Yep. We were
0: five listeners after that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no thanks everybody uh for getting through this episode uh if you if you're not interested in nine miles and i don't know why you're listening but i'm glad that you are yeah. and uh and if you are gonna run your first hundred or your second or your fifth then uh good luck because it's pretty freaking awesome
0: that's right all right talk to everyone soon